0: The following episode is brought to you by a beginner's guide to nutrition. Are you struggling to create healthy eating habits and maintain a healthy lifestyle? Do you find it challenging to know what to eat and when to eat it? If so, I have the perfect solution for you. My simple guide teaches you not to demonize food groups like fats and carbs. You will learn what to eat to lose weight and maintain your physique. You'll also discover how to build muscle, endurance and strength. Taking accountability for your lifestyle is one step in the right direction. Learning to rehabit ourselves and eating this, not that will also help you become the best version of yourself. Realizing that you need to learn how to eat in order to live in moderation is a challenging admission for some to make. The ability to determine that skipping breakfast sets you up for bad food decisions throughout the day, sets you up for success in your fitness journey. But that's not all. After you've learned to create healthy habits and food choices, this book doubles as a food journal. This enables you to meticulously track your meals and have a quick reference on what foods to eat all in the same place this is a blueprint to create a newer and healthier you don't wait any longer to take control of your health and wellness order my guide today and start becoming the best version of yourself the link will be in the show notes Welcome back to the show. I am on this one. I really I want to talk about Chelsea's struggles. They've struggled badly. This loss last week to Tottenham, that was tough. That was really tough. Tough to watch if you're a Chelsea fan. Obviously, if you're a Tottenham fan, you're pretty excited about that. But as a Chelsea fan, that was really rough. So I just want to begin. So I think that Chelsea should stick with their manager. Despite a string of gutting and disappointing results. Now, I have read some communications online that talk about his lack of passion, (laughs) Because he's not a person who yells or screams or, you know, gives these fiery press conferences that so many people are used to seeing. But, you know, he also consistently shoulders the blame for his team's lackluster performances. But I don't understand how those two factors can mean that he isn't fit to be the manager for Chelsea. Most. People, in my opinion, really need to learn what goes on behind the scenes, behind his closed door meetings with the players and whether or not he screams or yells at them then. And even if he doesn't, does that mean he's not a good manager because he doesn't yell and scream? I I don't understand that one at all. Regarding him shouldering the blame, is he supposed to tell the media that it, that his team sucks and they aren't trying hard? I can't think of a faster way to lose a locker room than by throwing your players under the bus every time you have a bad game or every time you don't win. What's he going to say? Well, not on me. I, I had a good game plan. They just didn't execute. They're trash. <laughs> You're not going not gonna to win over your locker room that way. In fact, you'll probably lose it much faster. Sticking with Potter through these challenging times is the right thing to do because he is considered or he was considered, when they brought him in, he was a project manager, meaning he was hired to execute the new ownership's vision of what they want this project to be here at the club as far as the injection of youth and getting these young players on these long-term. I think I've seen Aaron West, he said, uh, <laughs> these 360 deals that they signed at Death Row Records. But in all honesty, that was the vision that they had for the club. And that is the vision that they hired Potter to execute. Now, he cannot do that without their complete and unwavering support, at least in my opinion. But also firing two managers in six months speaks more to the club's leadership and ownership group and their inept ability to choose the right person than it does in the inability of the manager to coach a team. It's a terrible look for the club because those actions, firing two managers in six months, that indicates incompetence in making the correct hire. And it also can indicate instability within your organization. Your next guy that you bring in, you're going to give him the same assurances that, Oh, you're our guy. We got your back, but he'll always be looking over his shoulder. Because when he has a string of three or four consecutive losses, most managers worth their salt won't sign up for that because they'll be looking over their shoulder. Man, am I going to get fired? I'm trying real hard. (laughs) So I I think you should keep that in mind. But also their inability to score goals is is the main reason for their struggles. Like, I'm not going to act like everything is sunshine and roses. I understand that they need to score goals. But the goals should flow with the talent that they have on that roster. It's it's a pretty obvious thing. Another eye-catching symptom of their ineptitude is their need for in-game adjustments and their over-rotation of their starting 11. No team has scored fewer Premier League goals than Chelsea since November. And also the fact that just a few weeks ago, they were ready to ship out. Hakeem Ziyech on loan to PSG on, say, a Thursday, and then when they had the paperwork issue because they were working on the Enzo transfer, then all of a sudden he remains at the club and is available to start on Saturday. So you're sending mixed messages. Is he the guy for your squad or is he not? And if he's out of the squad, then why are we starting him? If he's so expendable, if you're so ready to ship him out, why start the guy? I don't understand. With the depth that they have at his position specifically, it makes no sense to even play this dude if all you want to do is ship him out of town. The best thing I can think of is that you are only playing him to increase his value later for sale. But the fact that he's not playing well does not increase his value. In fact, I can argue that it decreases his value. It simply makes no sense to me. Especially when the club has shown the willingness to rotate the starting 11. It's simply head-scratching to me that we see this guy starting games and not being subbed off when he struggles. And that's the kind of stuff I'm getting at when I'm talking about in-game adjustments. The Tottenham game, we can point to the fact that he got the almost red card that should have been a red card that wasn't a red card, and I have opinions about that as well. But I don't think I'm going to get into them right here, right now. But Either way, he should have been subbed off at the half. The fact that he started the second half, I don't understand what is going on there. I also have to point out that Kai Havertz is not a striker. <laughs> He's not. He's not his best position. And he needs to be better at it to warrant him starting week in and week out at striker. If you need goals and Obama Yang is on the team, hear me out here. And what is wrong with giving him the same chances that you give Ziyech to play through some of those poor performances that he's had or the same chances you've given Havertz to play through these string of poor performances he's had at striker? He has not played particularly well. I understand that. And I'm talking about Aubameyang. But neither has Havertz. Havertz is not the striker that you want him to be. I don't know what his best position is, and possibly his best position is the place where you're playing Joao Felix, and I can argue that Joao Felix is better at that spot, which then makes Havertz an expendable asset. I don't know. Again, I don't have all the answers, but to me, Havertz should not start at striker anymore. You brought Obama Yang in, then you use him at striker, and you let him ride this thing out. Or uh, start David Detro Fofana. Now, I, I know he's a young guy, but he's going to get games under his belt by playing. And he's a natural striker. And he did tear it up. And I think, it oh, was it the Norwegian League? I think it was the Norwegian League. He was tearing it up. I looked at his football reference page. That dude gets goals or he was getting goals. Very good player. I I think he just needs to figure out the Premier League a little bit and he'll be all right. It's not like they don't have options or solution, solutions at striker, but they have to figure out how to get Havertz out of the striker position and get pure goal scoring striker in the starting striker position and and stick with them because I don't understand why we're sticking with certain players that aren't performing well, but we're rotating other positions. If we're going to stick with a guy, then let's stick with a striker and give him a real opportunity. All right, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. If you are listening to this and you haven't subscribed to the show, shame on you. If you are listening to this and you haven't followed me on any of my socials, shame on you. The links to the socials are in the description or the show notes of the episode. And I really, really would appreciate you coming over and giving me a follow. Thank you. Injuries. I know they've dealt with injuries as well at a historic rate. Their woes are so bad there that I will not, I'm not going to spend time right here at this moment documenting how bad those injuries were. But I do want to mention that some of their best proven veteran players are still consistently missing games. There's still no Conte. Pulisic, and you can call him proven or a veterinary, or you can question that if you want to, but that dude's a baller. Kovacic, he's been missing games, and Mindy, he's still missing games, and I know people fell out of favor with Mindy because of the poor form he had at the start of the year, and some of that leaked into the World Cup, but I still think he's the better keeper than Keppa. And Thiago Silva, who also may be out with an MCL sprain that he suffered in the Tottenham game. Injuries, like, they're devastating. Everybody's also dealing with injuries. So Chelsea's not the only club to deal with injuries, but their stuff is at a different level. One of the main reasons for the historic January transfer window were 600 million pounds or dollars or whatever currency you want to use. That 600 million of those things was spent to improve the squad. One of the reasons why that much money was spent was because that many players were injured and they needed to bring all those guys in just to field a worthy 11. That's how bad it is. And half of their roster was also recovering from post World Cup hangover. I'll have a link to an episode that I made about the post World Cup hangover in the show notes as well to refresh your memory. If you don't know, or to educate you, if you don't know what the post World Cup hangover is, but you you had guys who got hurt at the World Cup, you had guys who played a ton of minutes during the World Cup. That that was other reasons to rotate your squad. And I would, frankly, I would love to make some parallels to a similar situation or make it to make this thing more relatable or more understandable. <laughs> But the fact of the matter is, these circumstances are so unusual that it's, I can't draw parallels to say, oh, you remember that time when this club struggled like that, or that club struggled like this? You're going through sanctions, ownership, coach, new coach, preseason, injuries, World Cup, in-season, transfers of a bunch of 19 and 20-year-olds, (laughs) like. This stuff is crazy. Chelsea, they're I mean, they, they are one thing. They're setting the trend for these kinds of issues. Maybe someone in the future will be able to draw their parallel to this, but this is not something that is similar to any other situation I can think of, especially in uh, recent memory. And, you know, I also understand that Chelsea fans are not used to the club being in tenth place at the end of February—that's not a Chelsea thing. That's it's a really good year at Crystal Palace. <laughs> no shot, no shot at Crystal Palace. But I'm just being honest. Like they're also not used to this severe lack of goal scoring. That's that's saved for like Wolf, Wolves, Wolverhampton. That's not a Chelsea thing. And to be honest, history supports the argument that. Chelsea should fire their manager. That dramatic move, actually, it's been key to turning things around at other clubs, at floundering clubs. The most recent example that Chelsea have to point to is the fact that Lampard got fired and Tuchel came in. And when that happened, he took that same squad of players that pretty much got Lampard fired. And he turned around and won the Champions League with that team. I also think it's important to point out that Tuka was not necessarily fired because of the on-field product or the lack of results. I think maybe that was a factor, but not really. The biggest factor was his relationship or lack thereof with the new ownership group and their differing visions for how the club should be run and what the future of the club looks like. So keep that in mind as well. But do you remember what it was like? What the world was like when Tuku got fired? Name after name was floated out as a potential replacement. You had people pulling out Zidane. You had people pulling out Marine to return to the club. You had the old, just the regular old Pacchettino. You know, you get the same run of the same three names every time a, a big job becomes open. But none of those guys make sense. And frankly, Zidane who's probably the favorite of the aforementioned group there. He doesn't even speak English. <laughs> so I think Premier League clubs are off the table altogether. And frankly, that would be a tough sell, but the speculation didn't get too out of control when the job came open last time because it got out very quickly that Potter was their guy. The point is, it's been hard out here for teams. That have recently fired their coaches to find that perfect replacement. Ask Southampton how the searching how the coach search went. Ask Leeds about the coaching market. It's not all sunshine and roses out here in the culture market. If you are going to fire your coach, realistically, who are you going to bring in to replace them? And I'm just gonna leave it at that. Thank you for listening to the show, and I greatly appreciate it. Thank you for listening to the Michael Nance Audio Experience. Subscribe to the show so you never miss a future upload.